You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. You're listening to the best Packer radio show on the internet. Cheesehead Radio. I want to be a lifetime Green Bay Packer. You're looking good today. Aaron Rodgers is the best football player I've ever seen, ever. Aaron Rodgers goes to the second and two. He's got a lead to Montana. Defense is going to get a lot of teams struggling. We got a defense. Once again, we got a defense. G's Head Radio. Hello again, Cheesehead Nation. We are back with another episode of Cheesehead Radio, now in our 10th season. Your trio of hosts tonight are the usual exultant Kelly Hodgson, that Packer girl on Twitter. Also joining us is the exhilarant C.D. Angeli, known as Tundra Vision on Twitter. And little old me, Jersey Al, found at Jersey Al GBP on Twitter. Sponsoring the Packers Talk Network once again are our good friends at Ticket King. They've been selling Packers, Badgers, and other tickets in Wisconsin for over 25 years. They've got a great reputation for excellent customer service and prices. There's an office right across from Lambeau Field. You can order your tickets online and pick them up there if you like. If you're looking for Packers tickets, be sure to check out their website, theticketking.com. Okay, that takes care of the formalities. Let's get this show on the road. Who moves my cheese? Ladies and gentlemen, your Green Bay Packers are 8-2 and two going into the bye week. Who would have thunk it? A great victory over the Carolina Panthers. We're going to hit the ground running and talk about our cheese winners from the Carolina game. First of all, our sharp cheddar. Who was your superstar in this game? Kelly. Well, boys, I'm going to have to go with a perennial cheddar regular, and that's Aaron Jones. What can I say about him? All he does is score touchdowns. He's hard to stop, and he's not so quietly having an all-pro season. Okay, I am going to go with Mr. Kenny Clark. Now, no, he didn't have a ton of sacks, and no, he didn't completely bottle up Christian McCaffrey, but he didn't have to rack up stats. He was a constant source of pressure in the backfield and helped limit McCaffrey's yards consistently. He is a big reason why they won. All right, and I'm going to go, well, at least in my mind, there's no question, Zadarius Smith. The guy was in Kyle Allen's face all game. In fact, the Packers credited him with an incredible 14 quarterback rushers in all during that game. Z Smith is my sharp cheddar. Perfect. Now we're going to go to our Swiss cheese. This is the guy who surprised us. Who was the surprise player that showed up to play against the Panthers? Kelly, we'll start with you. Don't laugh, but Jimmy Graham. Wait, hear me out. Yes, he didn't get two feet in and his CD was called back. Yes, he does run a 40 like he's got cinder block on his shoes. But he did put on a good show. And he was catching solidly. He had good yards after the catch. And he's actually becoming a decent blocker. Who would have thought? All right. Well, my Swiss cheese this week is going to be Devontae Adams. Now, after last week, <laughs> there's a lot of people wondering, what's going on? We're actually playing better without him, but the news of his demise were greatly exaggerated. He turned 10 targets into 118 yards receiving, and he did a incredible slicing pass route that made the defender look absolutely silly. 
All righty, and I'm going to go with Kenny Clark. After not looking like himself for a few weeks, the man returned with a vengeance on Sunday. Perfect. And now, unfortunately, it's time for our Limburger cheese. Who was the guy on the Packers that just let you down on Sunday night? Kelly. This is an odd pick, but I'm going to go with David Bakhtiari. A couple of times, he almost cost Rodgers his life this past week. Something really seems off about him, and I really can't figure out what. Is he more injured than advertised? All right. My Limburger cheese, my boy, J.K. Scott. Buddy, what are you doing? History is repeating itself with J.K. Scott as he has a strong first half of the season, now overshadowed by inconsistency in the second. He just doesn't seem to handle cold weather very well, does he? All right, and I'm going to go with MVS. He had one target on a long pass all game and then disappeared for the rest of the day. Is he in the doghouse? Is there an injury situation? What is going on? There is more Packer talk coming right up, so stay tuned. But first, a word from our sponsor. Do you want to experience the thrill of a Packers game at Lambeau Field? If so, be sure to get your game ticket from the longtime trusted source in Wisconsin, Ticket King. Visit their locations in Milwaukee and Green Bay, or just go to their website, theticketking.com. Again, that's theticketking.com. The Playbooks. Well, what a great game, guys. Home, sweet home, and a beautiful game. A beautiful game and a snow globe game. An important game. A home game against an NFC rival that, or excuse me, yeah, an NFC rival that, uh, with all the doubt coming out of that Los Angeles Charger game, really gave everyone a lot of confidence going into the bye week. Al, your thoughts on this game? Is there anything better than a Packers game when it's snowing at Lambeau Field? Is there anything better either, even on TV, but just to to be there is is such an incredible feeling. Uh, To come out with a win in a snow globe game is an even better incredible feeling. So it was just a a wonderful, wonderful day, even though the game might have been a little closer there at the end than we would have liked. I had confidence the whole way um, that they would pull it out, even if it had to go to overtime. But it it was a nice win in a perfect environment for football. Kelly, what do you think? I'm going to touch a little bit on this later, but I really love going to games in the snow. It just seemed magical. It just seemed like games like this were always destined to win. I'm sure statistically it won't shake out that way, but it sure felt like that on Sunday. When the snow starts to fall and the lights catch it, there's just something really neat that I never seem to freeze to death, no matter how cold it is. And everything came together, and it was just one of those perfect late afternoon evenings, so I'm a big one for snow, even though I've been complaining about the weather all week. Well, I think Aaron Rodgers said it best. Winter is here, and this is Lambeau Field weather. It's great to hear the Southern Cowboy <laughs> talk about this winter weather being home, but that's what makes him our quarterback. Speaking of which, the end of the game, Al, you just touched on this. That game was a lot closer than we were probably comfortable with. A huge, In fact, I just rewatched it just before we did the show. That seemed to last forever as the, <laughs> the Panthers came inside the 20 and Zedaria Smith, no, don't go off sides. And, oh, fourth down, oh, Preston Smith, what are you doing? And then it's like all the way down to the second down play with no time on the clock. It was an inch going over the line. Your thoughts, Al? 
Yeah, it was it was definitely definitely full of drama, you know. <laughs> um I I couldn't watch the game live actually, so I had a DVR and I got home um and put put it on and was watching the game by myself and I I tell you and you know not being able to follow anything on Twitter or or share any thoughts with anybody just kind of in my little cocoon there. It drove me crazy for a bit there. I mean, I was pulling my hair out that last quarter. I was just more nervous than I usually am watching a game, uh, I guess because it was all centered on, on myself, and there I was by myself. But, uh, you know, when it comes down to it, that goal line stand, I mean, how how epic. You see this big gap in the defensive line as they're getting ready to snap the ball, and or at least I saw that, and I'm saying, wait a minute, what, why is there a big gap there? And next thing you know, Martinez taps Fackrell and, and tells him to, to slide over, and wouldn't you know, that's exactly where the handoff goes, and he makes the initial stop, and then he gets help from other players and and they stop McCaffrey Uh, of course they still would have had to make the two two point conversion after that but um, still uh, what drama Kelly how'd you feel about that it reminded me a lot of the season opener in 2011 when it came down to a goal line stand against the Saints. Of course, the weather was a lot different. Oddly, I didn't feel as nervous about it as you did. Maybe it was the excitement of being there, but I felt like we had it. What I didn't like was it seemed like the officials really had their thumb on the pul- on, on, on the way too much on the scales with those and reviewing almost everything. But yeah, it was an exciting end, and I had a very distinct feeling that Carolina was just going to run out of time, and that's essentially what happened. I'll tell you what, I love Yes, it was drama, but this is why we watch the game. Sure, I would have loved to have been up by 16 points and, you know, <laughs> wild away the last couple of minutes, but, you know, there was a point where I was actually out of my chair and, and down on my knees and just <laughs> watching the That's why we watched this game. It was great drama. We won the game, but yeah, it was right down to the last inch, and boy, that was amazing with McCaffrey and how, of course, Troy Aikman was trying so hard to say somehow the ball was in, but finally there was that angle where they showed the ball pressed against his chest and his head was barely over the goal line. And Troy Aikman, of course, well, I'm pretty sure, well, there's probably no visual evidence to show that that was actually a touchdown. Shut up, Troy. It wasn't a touchdown. It wasn't over. But, you know, it reminded me of uh, that game against the Rams. Wasn't that the Titans, I think, when they won that game on the last second and stopped the wide receiver on, like, the one-inch line? Yeah, that, that's exactly what it reminded me of. You think, Al? Yeah, yeah, that was the Super Bowl, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. And the re- the receiver just like reaching out with his hand and the ball for the goal line and just coming up short uh, on the final play of the game. Talk about drama for a Super Bowl. Yeah, it was a great ending, great ending to this game. Yeah. Now, here's the one that I think I'm going to have a little fun with, guys. The end of the second quarter, going into the half, the Packers are sitting pretty much on the goal line with no time on the clock. Common sense would dictate what are you supposed to do? Well, it depends what your common sense is. Well, judging from Twitter, <laughs> I don't know what, common what sense, common. I don't know what common, common sense is. Yeah, kick a field goal and take the points and go in at half. But no, Matt Fleur, Aaron Rodgers say we're going to go for it. Hand the ball off and, and it doesn't go anywhere. But a lot of controversy, a lot of uh, angst and things like that. Al, where do you stand on that decision? Well, see, this is why I asked about common sense, because that's not common sense to me. <laughs> if you're if you're that close, the way the game was going, you have a chance to build a nice lead and you're getting the ball back at second half. 
I'm going for the point there, for the full point. You made it all the way down to the one-yard line. You're so close. You got one play. You know, I love that he went for it. Obviously, it didn't work out very well at all. In fact, it looked downright embarrassing how badly it turned out. But I'm not going to let that cloud my thinking. Um, You know, I I criticize McCarthy forever and ever for being way too conservative in in moments. And, you know, I'm not going to do the same thing. Now, on the opposite end with this coach, I'm going to give him the freedom to be aggressive. Whatever happens, happens. And let's just go it. As as he says, all gas, no effing break. <laughs> Kelly, what do you think about that one? Okay. I'm fairly liberal in most things in life, except for football. I'm going to be the devil's <laughs> advocate to Al. Shocker. You never turn down easy points. Oh, my God. If it was the second half, I'd say, yeah, go for it. But if heading into the halftime and you have the chance to really double up, you double up. Look at what would have happened if Carolina would have scored. We would have been tied provided they got the two-point conversion. Those three points would have been really helpful right about then. But I do appreciate the aggressiveness. I just personally wouldn't have gone for it. The all gas, no break is brilliant when it works. But as the Twitterverse pointed out, it's pretty ugly when it doesn't. And that was one ugly, ill-conceived play. We could talk about the play formation in a different topic, but holy mother of God, that had to be the stinkiest play I've ever seen. Yeah. What What was funny was LaFleur, after the game, saying he didn't like the play call. I'm like, okay, well, who made the play call, Matt? Um, I was, like, again, the, the play was horrible. The process of going for it there, I was 100% behind. CD, you thought they should kick the field goal also, obviously, because no. that's your common sense. No, no? not at least. Oh, well, you yes, said that, that would your... be common sense. Oh, okay. It's the Twitter versus common sense. But Sorry, I was, I was all, just assuming that's what all you meant. All gas on that one. No. Um, okay. I love the call. I loved um I thought it showed a lot of guts. I think it sends a message. It says we have faith in our running back. It says yep. we have faith in our offense to do this. Uh, I think there were two things that factored into it. Number one, uh, we held that. That was a drive. I think it was five minutes, two seconds that we held the ball at the end of the half. And that was five minutes and two seconds that Christian McCaffrey wasn't able to touch the ball. So we accomplished something pretty major in that, that big, long, what was it, 95-yard drive. Um, so that was one thing. Number two, if we're going to be a legit playoff team, there's going to come a day where we're going to be sitting on two seconds left in the game and wondering how we're going to get that ball into the end zone. This is the time in a regular season game at halftime that you experiment, that you say, what are we made of? And what we learned is that's a really crappy play to call. <laughs> we are going to totally learning play experience that in the playoffs and we're going to pitch it to Jimmy Graham in the end zone or whatever. So uh, I, I think that's what we do. Okay. All right, we're going to move on here. Uh, talk a little bit about the wide receivers. Al, you, you mentioned this in your cheese, but uh, MVS is just sizzling away. He's had two games in a row now that he's just not been there and present like he had been during all the time that Devontae Adams was in there. Our other wide receivers, Geronimo Allison, uh, touchdown Jesus, and uh, Lazard, have, have been sporadic. They've all had good plays here and there. But no one has really stepped up to be that number two other than Adams. Are we on the verge of a crisis? Kelly, we'll start with you on this one. I don't know if it's a crisis. And honestly, I think Lazard is probably quickly moving up the ranks, and he's unofficially the number two receiver, if you want my honest opinion. 
I don't know if it's MVS fizzling or if it's Aaron Rodgers getting a little tunnel vision, which he tends to do when he horns in on his favorite receiver. Because when Adams is on the field, he's always Rodgers' first choice. It was great seeing uh, Whitewater Jesus and rise to the floor, and he had a great catch, who I think has fizzled out and vanished into the woodwork more than MBS is actually Geronimo Allison. So I don't know if it's lack of performance or if it's tunnel vision with the QB. I'd love to hear what Al has to say about it. Well, well, um, as far as MVS goes, my first thought was, you know, there's got to be something wrong here. There's got to be an injury. There's got to be some reason why they're not utilizing him. Um, the other possibility was that maybe they like Kumro and Lazard blocking more downfield, and they certainly are much better blockers than MVS are. And uh, we know that the Packers are an organization that have historically uh, appreciated receivers that can block downfield and help extend plays and get yards after catch for whoever the ball carrier is. So I think it's got something to do more with that. Um, it might also have to do with route running. I think MVS is still sometimes a little shaky with the route running and not as precise. And we all know how much Rogers likes precision. Um, and I was just listening to uh, Packers transplants before, and, and Aaron Egler mentioned that uh, MVS was noticeably angry after this game, you know, after not hardly playing. So <clears throat> I don't think it was an injury situation as my, as my first thought. So to me, it's probably probably more just a game plan thing and hey we want our receivers blocking downfield uh so we're going to feature um Kumaro and Lazard more than MVS it's my theory anyway I think one of the things that concerns me is that if MVS ends up burning out that group of three rookie wide receivers that we drafted in 2018 might end up being just a complete wash because obviously equanimous St. Brown has not been playing. And of course we've already lost um, Jamon Moore who really, you know, there was your, I think your third third, uh, round draft choice who was a bust. The Packers have traditionally in the Ted Thompson years, almost always put a second round draft pick every year into a a pretty premier wide receiver, whether it was Jordy Nelson or Greg Jennings or, uh, you know, several of these receivers who've come in and played and and you've always had these very solid talents. And it's hard to sit there and see Devontae Adams playing with this fifth rounder in MVS and really a cast of undrafted free agents. And it's quite a roll of the dice by uh, Gutekunst. And hopefully it's going to work out. But I think one of these guys really does have to step up. All right. What's our next topic? Our next topic. Let's get some good news after talking about the wide receivers. Mr. Aaron Jones. Now, a couple weeks ago, we were talking about a guy by the name of Aaron Rodgers as a potential MVP candidate. And suddenly his game against Los Angeles, everyone stopped talking. But there's another guy, especially after coming in with this Christian McCaffrey guy and everyone talking about his MVP buzz. Aaron Jones gets another three touchdowns and suddenly you got the league lead. And he's being discussed as an MVP candidate. Kelly, are you buying it? If he was on any of the other 31 teams, I'd buy it. Unfortunately, as long as Rodgers has a good season, the spotlight will be on him. Is that fair to Jones? Definitely not. But as soon as Rodgers gets hot again, all the attention is going to be focused back on him. And unfortunately for Jones, that means it gets drawn away from him. I wonder what Al thinks about this. 
How can any player on a team where Aaron Rodgers is a quarterback be an MVP candidate? Can there be a better player on the Green Bay Packers than Aaron Rodgers? Is that possible? I don't think so. I love Aaron Jones, you know, but I'm being realistic here. MVP candidate, eh, we can talk about it, but it's not going to happen. I agree with you, and once again, I think there's just these remarkable similarities at this point in Aaron Rodgers' career to where Brett Favre was at the same age. If you remember, right around that time, right around when Brett Favre was you know, 34, 35 years old, there was a player who wore number 30, whose name was Amon Green. And for a while there, if you remember, this was not Brett Favre's team. It became Amon Green's team. There is a, a, an offensive line that just would call out, hey, this is what we're running, just so you know. And then they would just plow over people. And Amon Green was really just taking over that team. It's kind of an interesting similarity that Rodgers is here, not necessarily overshadowed by his running back, but definitely you're seeing that that running back is, kind of, is being featured on this offense. I think the other thing that works against Jones is that he has had several games this year where he's disappeared. And then fortunately, Jamal Williams has stepped in and had really solid games. And that's what it seems like we've always had. Jones is either really solid or Williams is really solid. They don't tend to have really solid games at the same time. Um, so I think that worked against him as well. But yeah. Aaron Jones, I'm just glad he's on our team. Yeah. I mean, and talking about productivity, right? Here's a guy that, you know, is not the only running back that's used on the team and look at what he's accomplishing. So productive production wise, it's a rather amazing uh, what he's done, but you can't be an MVP on a team with Aaron Rodgers. Sorry. Absolutely. All right, guys, we're going to take a break and we're going to go to our Packer tweet. Packer. It is time for the Cheesehead Radio Tweets of the Week. We're going to find one of our favorite tweets from the Packers Twitterverse. We're going to let you know what they are, and then at the end, we're all going to vote and let you know which one wins. So, Al, we're going to start with you. All right. My tweet is from Zachary Jacobson, he of Cheesehead TV and Packer Report. Uh kind of evaluating where the Packers are after uh, after beating the Panthers and the bye week coming up. And he tweeted out, the Packers are going into their bye week at 8-2 and two with a rookie head coach, a washed-up quarterback, overpaid pass rushers, and a safety that doesn't make any impactful plays. That'll work. <laughs> I actually replied to that. It was, that was a good one. Yeah, obviously hitting on all the narratives that have been thrown around this, this season. All in one tweet. Absolutely. That's why I liked it. Uh, my tweet of the week is going to come from Matthew, who's at Larson Matt Two. Never heard of him before, but he had this tweet I saw this weekend. Packers score a touchdown. Troy. Packers got lucky there. Packers cure cancer. Troy. A lot of unemployed people in the cancer care industry. Thanks to Green Bay, those bastards. <laughs> All right, and Kelly, your tweet. This is my second choice because I'm pretty sure I can't cite CD himself because he is of the International House of Packers Talk. Otherwise, it would have been CD's tweet. So I'm going with a relative newcomer to Cheesehead Radio. In fact, I found him today. It's Coley Mick. Lamar's spin move in slow motion was faster than Jimmy Graham's in real time. Poor Jimmy. All right. Poor CD. His is even funnier. <laughs> All right, so, Jersey Al, who is your vote for this week's Tweet of the Week? Ding, 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 ding. Hmm. 
I always like to analyze what my chances are here and which one I have a better chance with. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, which one do I like? <laughs> That's not how I vote people. I was just kidding. Um, which one do I like more? I think I got to go with CDs. Yeah. All right. I am going to go with Jersey Al, just because mm, I, thought, yeah, favor. I thought Zach Zach had a good one there. So it's going to go to Kelly now, who's going to decide who gets this week's no. Tweet of the Week. Kelly, Have it help us. to you. CDs, because I remember reading it at the game and laughing at it. Oh, she hates me. <laughs> I right. should be nicer to Kelly. You should. Matt Larson, yeah. hey, guess what, buddy? You get this week's Tweet of the Week. Tweet. Of the week. Yeah. All right, a little more playbook coming at you right now. Uh, first of all, looking ahead, we don't have a game to look forward to next week. The Packers are on their bye. We're going to come back against the 49ers in two weeks. But, boy, it sure seems like the bye week has come at a pretty good time. It seems like in a lot in past years, the bye week seemed to come maybe a little bit early. Sometimes they were at a really good time because we had a lot of injuries. We're like, oh, good, we get two weeks deal. We're not really that beat up. And we get to go four games on the road out of the next six. This might be a good time for this bye week. What do you think, Kelly? I like it, actually. I think it's a good mental break because we don't have that many significant injuries. I think it wouldn't be as helpful if it was a couple more weeks down the line. So 11, week 11, I'm okay with it. Bye week, week 11. Um, you know, I, I've stopped worrying so much about when, when the bye week comes. The only one I really don't like is if it's real early, like week four or week five, you know. Um, but anywhere from week seven or seven or eight on, wherever, wherever it falls is fine. I'm just shocked that they aren't we're not, we don't have the usual narrative of oh thank god it's a bye week we got to get healthy we're so banged up i mean that's not the case and that's not what we're used to as packers fans is it so i'm fine with the bye week where it is i think there's a level where i look at this and i don't want to call this a charmed season just where everything seems to be going right but yeah, I mean, it's late in the season. We got a really tough stretch going ahead of us. And yeah, here's a bye week where these guys are going to come back, I think, absolutely jacked for this 49ers game. So really looking forward to it. Speaking of which, the 49ers game has been flexed to Sunday night football. I think oh, this yeah. is going to be, what, our fourth Sunday night football game this year? I mean, certainly it's America's team, six. baby. We're America's yeah, team. Our sixth game on, <laughs> on prime time, so it's pretty exciting. Yeah. In this case, I think it's a great matchup. It deserves to be in prime time. Let's face it, this is going to be probably the top two in the NFC. I did that the Seahawks don't have a sudden run to the end. But there's something nice about watching the big games in prime time. I think about the, the last time we had one of those magical se- – well, not the last time, but when we had one of those magical seasons in 1996, it was the Packers and the 49ers in prime time, and it came down to that Jackie Field goal as time elapsed. I like the high drama, and I'm really happy I don't have to drive home after it. I can just go to bed afterwards. All right. Well, moving on, I guess this is a question I kind of want to toss out to both of you because Jimmy Graham has been maybe the one holdover 
Brian Gutekunst has basically taken a lot of our very bloated salaries of some of our veterans who are underperforming, and we let him go, whether it be Randall Cobb, Jordy Nelson, uh, Clay Matthews. We kept Brian Balaga. He's having a fantastic year. We kept this quarterback guy. I forgot his name. He's having a really, really good year. But Jimmy Graham is another guy who's just taking up a lot of cap space and has struggled so much last year, has struggled so much at the beginning of this year. What are you seeing in his play that might make you think, hey, Maybe he's finally turning the corner. Al, we'll start with you. In a world where Jimmy Graham actually learns to block, that's where we are. He actually has improved, you know. I mean, he actually has improved the last couple of games. We can actually see him blocking people and not getting tossed to the ground or not whiffing on blocks, and that's a beautiful thing. As far as, you know, a pass receiver, obviously, he doesn't have the legs he used to have anymore. Uh, If he can just catch the ball when it's thrown to him, we'll be more than happy with that. He did make uh, a nice play there at the corner flag, trying to uh, where, which originally was scored as a, as a touchdown, but then obviously, you know, correctly overturned. Um, if he can just hold on to the ball when it's thrown to him and continue actually making efforts to block and, and helping the run game and, and other ball carriers, um, then he's a valuable uh, player on this team. So uh, you know, Jimmy Graham has turned the corner a bit for me. Kelly, what do you think? What I see happening is Jimmy Graham, is he finally evolving with his age? He's not the Jimmy Graham of years past where he was this very dangerous joker tight end. He's coming into himself this season as a blocker, like you said, and he's starting to get effective. At the beginning of the season, and he was whiffing and couldn't block anything to save his life. But now he's got some value as a blocker, but he can have some value for the team, and I think we're starting to see that. All right. Well, our last topic that we're going to do for our playbook today has to focus on apparently the fans of, I don't know if it's all 31 other teams, but it certainly is the fans of any of the teams in the NFC North. We've just seen this absolute tirade of accusations of how the officiating is favoring the Packers. I saw someone published a really cute picture today of the Packers defense all uh, celebrating in the end zone with about three or four refs photoshopped in also celebrating with them. (laughs) It's hard, especially after you're looking at that Alan Lazard um, pass uh, interference call in which it looked like he tapped a guy on the finger and the guy went flying backwards like he was hit by a Mack truck and, and was got called for offensive pass interference. Um, I, I do think even the, the Preston Smith um, call, which was a little unusual in which he put his head over into the neutral zone, but his feet stayed set, and that actually extended the drive and gave the Panthers a shot to win the game because that was on fourth down. Certainly other teams have gotten just as many calls as we have, but your thoughts, Al? Just silliness. Yeah, it's it's pretty ridiculous. Um, I mean, I, one one reason I think you're hearing it so much is because of what you mentioned before, and that's all the prime time exposure that the Packers have gotten. Right? I mean, the entire country has seen a lot of Packer games this year, and referees screw up in a lot of games. So the odds are there that uh, that you're going to take it uh, that the Packers have been beneficiaries of, of calls when, in fact, it's across the entire league, and you know the, the referee 
refereeing, as everybody knows, is just a complete and total mess um, everywhere. You know, not to just uh, not to, not just with the Packers. And you know, for people who are jealous of the Packers, they're going to come out and say that the referees have helped them, uh, or that they they hate the other teams, or that the NFL wants the Packers to win. Or, um, you know, all kinds of silly theories. But I just kind of chuckle and move on. Kelly, your opinion on that one? I think we can point in every single game where the Packers have been on the receiving end of a horrible call as well. I think this problem is not going away until the NFL decides to take its refereeing problem seriously. But I really don't see the need to whine in for either for Packer fans or for fans that don't like Packers because it's just globally awful. It's stinky, stank, bad, worse than in years past, worse than the fail Mary. Completely agree. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for our Hot Pockets. This is our time where each of us gets a chance to take the podium and give a little rant on what's on our mind. Cheers, gal. We're going to start with you today. Here we are, 10 weeks into the 2019 NFL season, or rather 10 in the book, 10 weeks in the book. And the Green Bay Packers, yes, our Green Bay Packers, just might be the healthiest team in the NFL. Not only that, this might be the healthiest Packers team of the last decade, or maybe more. The question is why? Why are we being deprived of our annual ritual of bemoaning the state of the Packers injury list while convincing ourselves they're the most injured team in the NFL? Does it have something to do with Chris Gizzy leapfrogging Mark Lovett to become the Packers' strength and conditioning coordinator? Or is it just a happy coincidence? I don't pretend to know the answer, but one thing does seem apparent to me. The Packers players who are getting injured are seemingly recovering and getting back on the field much faster than they have in the past. Whatever the reason for that is, let's just keep that ball rolling. And that is my... Hot Pockets! Dear Troy Aikman, I've tried. I have tried so very hard to like you. I thought maybe you and Mr. Buck could grow as a commentating team, and I could just respect you as a nonpartisan observer and a fellow lover of the game of football. And alas, Troy Aikman, you continue to disappoint. I don't have to tell you that it's pronounced Green Bay. It's not Green Bay. We both know you've been told this 20,000 times to pronounce it correctly, but you continue to do it incorrectly on purpose. The Packers have a phantom push-off. You confirm it clearly it must be true. They score a touchdown. You point out that there was probably a holding call that got missed. You can't get out of your own way fast enough to take the air out of any success the Packers have, and you relish in any mistake they have along the way. Yes, I will admit, I cannot stand Booger McFarland, but that's just because he's incompetent. You, Troy Aikman, are not incompetent. However, the unbalanced commentary makes me think that Skip Bayless or Mike Florio has been hired as a color commentator. And to be honest, Troy, you need to be better than that. You mentioned during the game how close you were to being a Packer in the 1989 draft and laughingly said, you're happy you weren't. And trust me, Troy, no one is happier about you not coming to Green Bay than us. And that is my... Okay, I guess I will finish with a palate cleanser after that rant. And we hit on it at the beginning of the show. As much as I love the sunny, warm games of September, where I can wear a pair of jeans, maybe some flip-flops and a t-shirt, there is nothing like a snowy game in Lambeau. Sunday was one of those magical games that will stick with me for a while. I love snowball games, snow globe games. Now, it wasn't the whiteout game of the 1985 Snow Bowl, where the Packers routed the Buccaneers. 
It seems the Packers do well when snow is coming down hard and fast. After that game in 85, my friends and I took took to the snow to play football and reenact what we saw on TV because it was just one of those great games. But it made me think about other snowy games throughout the years, and we do well in snowy games. There was that Packers victory in January 12, 2008, over the Seahawks that sent them to the NFC Championship game. Oddly enough, it was Brett Favre's last victory wearing a Packers jersey. And then in 2012, they routed the Titans in that 55-7 to game where the snow really started to come down. And more recently, the Packers beat the Texans in another snow globe game in Lambeau in 2016. Sure, there's nothing scientific about it, but historically the team plays very well when the temperatures drop and the snow blows around the bowl. There's something magical how the lights capture the falling snow. In games like that, the cold never seems to matter. Players start doing snow angels in their victories. The team always seems to rise to the occasion. And it makes me feel like the Packers football is what it's all about. That postcard, beauty of Lambeau, fun with friends and family, and a good chance at a Packers victory. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. And that is my... Hot Packets! Head Radio. Packers Game Predictions. Well, the Packers have their last six games coming up. They're 8-2 and two going into the bye. They have four games on the road, two at home. How do you see the season finishing up? Kelly, we'll start with you. I keep looking at the upcoming games, and it's not really a walk in the park. Right now, I keep coming up with a true split in the remaining six, and it's not an easy road end. San Francisco is going to be the first true test of whether the Packers can run with the big boys. The final two home games, Washington and Bears, look like wins, but I think the road games are going to give them trouble. It's hard to win in our division on the road, so I see the third win happening at the Meadowlands. Finish, Packers finish 11-5. and five. That should hopefully be good enough to, be a, to give us a first-round bye, provided they're equally, other teams are equally stymied in that home stretch. Okay. Well, this may not be a popular opinion for me, but at the beginning of the season in August, I said 11-5. and five. Now, that would mean if they're going to finish 11-5, they're going to have to go 3-3 three and three to finish. Now, that's not that hard to imagine. Yes, they're 8-2, but after they've lost the charges on the road, they're, they're a little vulnerable. And the 49ers and all three divisional games are going to be tough regardless. And then, you don't want to look past the Giants or Washington either. Now, look, I'm hoping for better than 3-3. Three and three. I predicted 11-5 and five last August, and that seemed like a pipe dream. Now, 11-5 and five almost seems like a disappointment. Funny how things change quickly, isn't it? Okay, well, since both of my co-hosts here played it safe with a 3-3 and prediction, I'll be the one to go out on a limb and say the Packers win four out of their next six to finish at 12-4, and while earning a first-round bye and a home game at Lambeau Field. And I'll see you all there. And I'll buy you a beer. Likewise. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right, thank you so much for joining us tonight on Cheesehead Radio in our 10th season. Make sure to head over to PackersTalk.com where you can explore several unique Packers podcasts. Please follow at PackersTalkNet on Twitter and like us on Facebook. Cheesehead Radio and all Packers Talk podcasts are available on iTunes. Just Google Packers Talk iTunes and you'll find it. Be sure to subscribe and please leave us a review if you can. You can also listen to us by using Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, or your favorite podcatching app and search for Packers Talk. Finally, be sure to support our sponsor, Ticket King. You can find them on the web at theticketking.com. That's theticketking.com. That's a wrap, boys. Enjoy the bye week. Go Paco.
Radio.